Welcome to the Listen to Your Footsteps podcast. I'm your host, Kojo Buffon, and this podcast is an extension of my book, also called Listen to Your Footsteps, which is a collection of essays, reflections, and poetry on things like fatherhood, identity and belonging, growing up, creativity, and the lessons learned. The purpose of this podcast is to gain insight and learn from the journeys that others have taken. I explore the worlds of art, culture, design, business, creativity, and life from the perspective of Africans who are contributing to the redefinition of the continent and who we are. My guest for this episode is Mensa Ansa. According to Wikipedia, he is British Ghanaian, which I should have probably asked him about because I've always had the sense that he identifies simply as Ghanaian. Mensa is a producer, composer, rapper, singer, filmmaker, and all-round artist. Another guest who I started building a relationship with on Twitter, first coming across him and his work over 10 years ago. In late 2021, Mensa released his solo project, Bonzi, 10 years after his last solo album, Number One Mango Street, which still gets mad rotation in my home. I got to ask him the things I've always wanted to ask him around craft, creativity, and artistry, and I am better for it. Enjoy. Starting off, thank you for being on the podcast. It has been a, it feels like a long time in the making. Yes. Yes, thank you. I'm looking forward to this more than you are. <laughs> so that's the always pressure. A the pressure. So my first question is, how do you define yourself? Like if somebody comes to you and says, who is Mensa? What's your answer? And I know it's like a, such a, it's a cheesy question, but also a, a big question. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, if you asked me yesterday, my answer might probably be different from today, you know? Just really trying to figure it out, you know, without giving it too much energy. I think really that's really my thing. Like, who am I? I'm just somebody who often I feel like just I've been placed in the middle of some video game and I'm just figuring it out, you know, and getting like one or two tools and I just have to use that to finesse myself to the end of the, to the end of the game, you know. But I would say that you know I'm just every day I consider myself a student, and I've taken the easy route of like holding on to like because I figured no, you know, music is my thing. I've kind of used that to approach everything, you know, what with being a parent, being you know, uh, a, a growing black man in the world or outside of Ghana or out of my comfort zone or whatnot, you know? So every day I'm just trying to figure things out. I don't know. I don't know if there's like a more profound way of answering the question. Just, you know, just really trying to figure myself out with these small tools that I've been given, you know, and trying to just <laughs> create a small impact in my small, in my small world, you know? But uh, Mensa is, uh, loves food, Loves family and um, has no idea what he's doing with himself except embracing everything that comes his way. Honestly, I really, I really, I, that's the worst question. It's as bad as <laughs> what's your five year plan, you know, <laughs> when you're going to meet your girlfriend's father? <laughs> you know, where does that come from? I mean, that you do have a certain fluidity in terms of particularly looking from the outside, right? A fluidity in terms of how you live your life. And you make it look, you give it a sense of ease. Uh, has that always been a kind of a part of who you are, a part of your DNA, or is that something that you've grown into? Yeah, I, I, I think, hmm, 
I mean, I think it's, 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 there's two sides to it. One aspect is that I'm actually somebody who is not um, paying too much attention and giving too much energy to a lot of things that are happening around me. This is really true. Like I, you know, it's like incredible things happen around me and I'm just, sometimes I can be so about it, like without realizing the importance or the significance or the, the timestamps that I'm making. And so that also, like looking on the outside, it's like, oh, well, this guy, he's probably tough and he's just as cool and just, you know, just, but sometimes I'm just really not <laughs> aware, you know, like I'm just constantly trying to figure things out in the moments that I'm, sometimes I might miss things. But there's also another part of me that's also very, um, that can be really, like, really meticulous and painstakingly dwell on things to make them come out the way I, I, I imagine them, especially with my craft and with, like, with people that I care for and my relationships and stuff like that. So I can be also very like, um, obsessive with like, um, like attention, like paying attention to detail and just, you know, these little kind of pedant like pedantic things, you know? And so when I combine those two things, it's almost like, um, it looks from the outside, like, oh, you know, maybe like, you know, this is like, oh, he makes it look easy or it's just like, he's constantly doing some cool stuff. But it's also like, I spent so much time creating uh, so much like, like time with, like with intricacies and things like that. And then when, I get the results, I quickly move on to something else without realizing that this is probably a feat. You know, this is like an achievement. And people remind me, like, we played a concert, or we've been to, we've met such, like, people have gone to places or been to things. And people have to remind me, like, dude, to, that day was, like, an incredible, like, oh, you met this incredible person, or you did this really, and I was like, well, yeah, I guess so, you know, like, Somebody like say one love like reminds me of like dates of, of places that we've played at and venues and things. I'm like, dude, I have no recollection. Or I, I completely forgot that soon as, as soon after we, we played that concert. And then like people remind me, and then I start to see the enormity of the like, you know, the importance of these things. So I think that's what it is, just me not paying too much attention to, you know, certain things. And then on the other hand, paying too much attention, like just being quite annoying to work with sometimes you know because i can be a little like that thing has to be fixed like you know before <laughs> so yeah, i do want, I do want just... to pick up on the on the craft and, and that sort of stuff yeah. but yeah. before we get there i mean would you say i it's, it's like i discovered at some stage that a a movie that had a a very interesting profound impact on my life which was Love Brood in the African Pot, uh, oh. which, my, which my father got a reel for and showed in the cinema in Lesotho. And I hadn't been to Ghana since, I hadn't been to Ghana since I was basically a baby. And then I went in my late 30s. So my father then, my father said, no, there's a friend of mine in Ghana. He's a filmmaker. He's made these film, this film. He sent a reel through and then he showed it at the cinemas in Lesotho for, I think, like a week or two. Um, and then discovering that that's your uncle. Yeah. And, and then also discovering that in terms of your background, I mean, there's, you know, there's creativity and art in your family. So with, let's say, the successes or the perceived successes of, of those around you from your father, your uncle, um, right. growing up, 
perhaps it's that that gave you that not a, not necessarily a nonchalantness, but a recognition that there is there's the creating music or there's the creating, and there's the it's called a lifestyle around it. And, right. and because and because you were exposed from a very early age, you hooked onto you hooked onto the creating because for whatever reason yeah. you inter- you internalized that side of it very differently. Oh man, I mean this is I mean I should send you a, a, a uh, you know uh, send me send me a, an invoice man because this is <laughs> this is too psych psych one oh one. No, really, I've like I've never really thought about. It. I mean, I mean, I've I've kind of dabbled around that concept. Like, like my family is so critical of doing things properly, you know, especially like even my own siblings. But then I realized that that's something they picked up from my dad. My dad picked it up from from his dad, who was like brutal. Like, you don't get complimented for overachieving or for, you know, for excellence. It's just like, you're an answer. This is how it's supposed to be. What's next? And so it's just like, you, you can't even stop to celebrate anything. It's just like constantly. And then can you imagine like me growing up and, you know, my dad, you know, doing all these things. And my uncle, the other uncle, and then my aunt, and then that other uncle, and then this other uncle, like everybody's like, you know, but then it's like, my dad's siblings also behave like they don't respect each other. You know, it's like, <laughs> they, they don't, they, oh, this is my younger brother. This is what he's meant to be doing. You know, it's like, uh, and then they speak ill of each other, but you know, it's not, not in like, uh, um, it's not in a, a malicious way, but it's almost like, ah, whatever. On to the next, you know, and my my siblings are the most hard, my most hardcore critics, you know. And he's like, oh, okay, well, you could have done it like this. It's like, dude, why don't you go in the studio and record? Why do you have a, a a job in tech? But then it's like, you know, they like my brother, my eldest brother, like he sometimes gives me ideas of like like what I like. Oh, I wrote this verse in my head, and he starts rapping like this guy. If he decided to be a musician, would kick my ass completely, you know. And so it's like. I'm under a lot of pressure because of what my family and, you know, my uh, parents, you know, have achieved. But I'm also, in the, there's something, there's a part of me that doesn't allow me to really celebrate. Like any people who work around me know that I'm not somebody who's like celebrates. It's like we get a nod and then we move on. But I think, you know, this is probably what it is, you know. You know, like growing up in the 90s with the 90s hip hop where it's like, how real are you and how hard can you like you know don't be soft and you know it's like that thing is like it does some things you know like sometimes i'll be having a good time and i start feeling bad like wow why am i enjoying life so much something is about to go wrong don't don't make yourself vulnerable to you know what is it is it like like what is that you know it's it's almost like i'm all yeah yeah. so so it's interesting that i so because i was involved in the poetry scene years ago uh, one of my favorite quotes, to paraphrase Saul Williams, was um, MCs or rappers hide their vulnerability and poets um, lead with their vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, and and it's, it's always so interesting watching people, you know, navigate that, particularly if you're coming to, you know, if you're coming to art as a rapper and then, you know, you turn 40 and you mellow out and you're getting old and it's trying to, I mean, I have friends who are rappers and just watching them just trying to reconcile that. And in some instances, they've walked away from hip-hop totally. Whereas yeah. for me, because I was 
more a, I've always been a consumer of it, right? But I was involved in the poetry scene, so it's been easier to to find my balance. Balance. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I mean no, man, dude. I mean, you're you're dropping so many gems here. You know, I had to really like make a conscious effort to step away from this concept of being hard into like being hard, writing hard rhymes. The beats have to be so hard and your attitude has to be hard to back it up and, you know, everything else that comes with it and to just like, just start feeling, you know? And that's when I actually stopped listening to hip hop for, for quite a while. I was just like, just really going into other things and I allow myself to just feel and to be able to be like creatively introspective. You know, to allow myself to to speak on things that otherwise I wouldn't otherwise be able to write about if I was trying to be like a you know a hard rapper. It's like, where is this like thing that this burden that I have <laughs> necessary burden I'm putting on myself? You know, and no, you you're absolutely right. Like if you like, and but, the, but then the things like this new generation of hip hop really, and they call it emo rap and whatnot, and trying to try to belittle it and whatnot. But really, I think that a good balance of that is is really beautiful like how artists like Kendrick Lamar and you know some of these new, new school um acts are um are doing um but you know you're you're absolutely right man i i it's, it's something that I've, i had to consciously like really it's like okay cool let's let's drop let's throw in something especially if you're like an african man as well you know I, I don't know if I don't know if 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 I'm um if it's a reach, but there's this thing where even like being really cool with your parents is almost uh, cool with your children as a parent is frowned upon in a sense. You know, your children are not your friends; they're not your units. And like, I don't want the same relationship I had with my dad. Like, we had so much. Like, I had to grow up to find out that we had so much in common. That if he had afforded me that. Um, ease of being around him and just really being able to talk and getting to know who he was just as a human being, not as a, as a person who was just giving me instructions, you know, it would have done me a lot of good. And so I don't want to make that mistake with my, with my youngins, you know, I mean, I, in one person, I play good cop and bad cop. Like I could switch on my kids and be like, okay, you're crossing the line now. You know, but then there's always a space for us to have conversations about absolutely anything, you know, but that really starts with my creative process, you know, and just like allowing myself to write or talk or produce anything that I felt, anything that I felt made me feel good or made, was, a, was an, um, an avenue for me to vent an emotion, you know, it's crazy. How do you navigate that? Like, I, in, in terms of with your children, um, mm. because to be honest, it's something that I think about a lot. And, mm. but every day I realize that I'm not there yet. In, mm. term, in terms of, you know, in terms of that relationship, in terms of being able to, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not the, let's call it the traditional African father where, mm. you know, you're seeing, Children are meant to be seen, not heard, et cetera, et cetera. But you find that also with kids growing up in this era, um, 
you're having to, you know, you're having to navigate all of these things. You're having to navigate what you're carrying from your parents. You're having to navigate yeah. um, a world that's very different from the one that you grew up in. I mean, I have a 14 year old and I've started to realize that um, I'm not the target market for most of the things out there. Like, I don't need to know what's going on anymore. You know, before, like, because right. I write on it. So I was always up with music and all of these things. And now it's just like, yo, man, stuff can pass me by. It's all good. Like, it's all, it's all good. good. It's all good. Yeah. It can pass I don't me need by. to be in on it. Yeah. I, I don't need to know who that person is. Like, I see names of artists. My 10-year-old will come and tell me about an artist. And I'm like, okay, cool. I've never, ever heard of them. But fine. You know, like. This is so true. This is so true. You know, it's like. I mean, I'm reaching that point where, you know, the kids are discovering their own like music and so on and so forth. And for, for a brief period, I thought, man, I need to, also, especially as a musician, I need to know who the, the coolest, you know, who's doing something, the most interesting thing. And then it's, I was just like, actually, you know what? I don't have to. This is their thing. I don't even have to consider consider if it's trash or it's good. This is their thing. Just mm. cool, you know, you know? But for me, um, I do a lot of like, uh, like conscious introspection. That's something that I, you know, I, I really like, I'm really proud of like, especially, and the best time to do that is when I'm away from them, you know, and I really kind of run incidents or situations or uh, interactions with my kids back in my head. And then I think of, like how sometimes I can hear my my own mother's voice in the way that I, you know, I, I, I chastise them or, you know, the way that, you know, I discipline them and so on and so forth. And I really have to make these resolutions in my head and be like, okay, this cannot happen again. When you get back into the house, we're going to try another approach and try and be consistent with it, you know, or have, you know, really just have like purposeful conversations with other parents or, you know, people who might have a better understanding with, because, dude, I mean, especially for me, I don't know about you, but a lot of this fathering, I'm learning on the job. So there's a like, there's a lot of blunders. There's a lot of like too much emotional um, child raising, where it's like, okay, I'm upset because I'm really actually upset, and therefore, when I speak to them, you know, I. I you know, they can feel like this real upset, but it's like, why are you getting pissed off with a, an eight-year-old who's only trying to figure themselves out, you know? So actually you can pretend to be upset to get the message across, but really to be like, feel so like feel so bad because your child has made a horrible mistake that they didn't, that they actually don't have the tools, you know, to kind of navigate around, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of like conscious, like, you know, just, playbacks in my head like oh man dude like come on man ease up like come on this is not it's not that deep you know and speaking to like pedagogists and, and child specialists and I'm lucky to have quite a few friends who are like you know child specialists and so on and so forth and they like <laughs> they bullshit my like why are you so stressed about your kids having to take a shower at 8 p.m on the dot like who cares you know <laughs> it's like it's discipline it's like okay for what <laughs> you know and you know you get stressed as like as an african parents like raising your kids outside of you know ghana and what like you, you the stress is a lot 
So for instance, um, one time I realized that, you know, actually, you know, my kids are good and I'm, I need to chill out. They played, they, they insisted on playing a game with me called the yes game, where for the next four hours, I had to say yes to everything that they asked for. And I was really stressing. It was like, these kids are going to, today they're going to ruin me. You know, dude, they were asking for bullshit. Like, oh, daddy, oh, you're going to have to give me a hug every time I ask you for a hug. Or, I'm not going to eat one sweet. I'm going to eat two sweets. Dude. Don't waste this, you know. Ask for my wallet, my credit card, and let's go on Amazon and let's get you all the things. None of that stuff, you know what I mean? I'm just like, my kid's all right, you know. Every now and then, you know, they mess up, but it's like, we're all trying to figure it out. And, you know, so the time to your questions, it's like, I have to do a lot of like conscious recounts, you know, and try to fix go back to it and fix it. You know, that's all you can do, you know? <laughs> so when did you decide to be a musician? Oh, man. And it could, it's um, called falling in the family business. And go, yeah, and, no, and actually. Going, and going and being a musician. You know, I don't think, I think it was like, it was my last, what they say, like, resort. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was the one thing that I didn't have to take instructions from anyone you know to do and like growing up i was really rebellious and i didn't like this idea of conforming and following instructions just because i had to without having an understanding for it and so when i realized that i could spend hours in my room just writing rubbish and i had this boom box and i could just like record myself hear myself back and be like okay well i don't like the way i sound let me say this again and just like i'll be absolved for hours and then like sitting down at the piano and just creating just stupid things but then there was nobody around to tell me oh you can't do it like this or you can do it like this whatever i was just like okay this is the one thing that i can do well without you know hawk eyes on me trying to correct me trying to you know what i mean and then once i started sharing that with people the, the response was good. So I was like, okay, this is my space. This is how I can fit in my, uh, you know, the, my community or my, uh, you know, society. Where it's like, I've got this one thing that I can offer that people appreciate and it allows me to just be, you know? And I think that's really what, like, that's what all of this is built upon. And so my whole process has been just get better and keep learning and keep giving and keep, satisfying myself really that's all it is i'm just like just trying to satisfy myself with this knowledge about music or being able to write and venture to different things and somehow i've figured out a way to make money from it make a link out of it you know but really it's just it's not like a like me being an artist a survival thing for me you know you talk about you talk about kind of living and you found a way to make a living as an artist how do you do that as a African slash Ghanaian artist? I mean, even, even if you're sitting in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you you will always be reminded one way or the other, you know? So through the years, I mean, I've been behind things that don't necessarily, I mean, they're creative things, but they don't necessarily mean that I have to have my face in front of so I'm doing a lot of production work. I'm actually doing a lot of stuff for TV, you know, um, commercials, um, writing for other musicians and yeah, you know, just different aspects of um, 
you know, of, 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 of creating or, or production. I mean, that's really, that's really how I do. And then now, because we're touring so much, it's also like a consistent source, source of income, but it's, it's having your hands in many different things, you know, and making sure that those things add up at the end of the, at the end of the month. So yeah, man, I just, I'm just dabbling, you know, in, in different things. I mean, now, because I've been doing it for so long, I'm generating uh, different sources of income. Mm. Um, like I said, yeah, through production and through like royalties and stuff like that. Um, it pays off, you know, at the end of the year, it's like, it all adds up. How do you end up in the UK? Uh, man, also an act of rebellion. I mean, I think my dad wanted me to come to the States because all my siblings were there. And I just thought, Mm, maybe not you know um both my parents were raised here in the uk they they moved here in the uk when they were pretty young and so my mom was very instrumental in that and then also i used to like there was a girl i liked who went to university in scotland like oh yeah i get to be with this my favorite person obviously that relationship didn't last past a year <laughs> But then afterwards, I was like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think I think I can make it work. And then at some point, you know, I, I, you know, I went to the States, but it just, I just, it just didn't work for me. You know, I just felt like this is not, you know, cause, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just been easier for me. And also being in the UK is the closest I can be to Ghana, if that makes any sense, you know? the connection is is quite strong you know with our history and you know with travel and so on and so forth it's um i can stay connected in that, in, in that sense yeah like i say you know these it's like i make these decisions it's like there's no real consciousness <laughs> behind behind them you know i find myself in a space it's like okay this is working and then next thing you know five years 10 years 20 years like what where the time gone no. Let's let's jump into your creative process because you, you you have talked about that quite a bit. Um, <laughs> that yes, you are like you, you had described kind of how you how to a certain extent you're able to let's call it make a living off make a living off your 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 music and make a living off your art, um, and it seems to give you that it seems to give you that space to be able to approach art for the sake of not in a negative sense but it feels like sometimes you do things for the sake of exploring it um so i mean like with, with fucking boys cause of money like you guys did the film you did the album um it, it really felt like an exploration as opposed to a okay we are musicians and therefore we need to create to you know to, to be able to tour to be able to make money etc etc um so where where does the spark for a project like that? Where does the spark for fucking boys itself come from? Like you and one love sitting down and going, actually, you know, we're gonna do this thing, and this is, you know, it's it's not just a music group. It's a it it feels like it's a concept. It's a story. It's got something. It's got substance to it. Yeah, yeah. I I think I mean one of the reasons why one love and I work well is um. It's because um, we are just um, migrating our relationship or our friendship or our interaction into, into the music. 
And so it's just about how can we shock each other the most, you know, how can, what is, what, what are you going to say next that's going to really like, wow, I can't believe you just said that. And it's just a trans, a transfer of our conversations, our musings, our experiences, the things that we see together, you know, while we're hanging out or while we're in the job. I mean, because of money, absolutely, was just us reimagining what life was like growing up in Ghana in high school and just making it a bit um, fantastical in a sense. But a lot of it is just us just trying to amuse ourselves, to be honest with you. I think that is really the core of what we do. And even like with my approach is like, how can I amuse myself or how can I um, push myself in a way that I, I rediscover myself in a way that I, I, I didn't before. Really, that's all it is. It's like, how do I find the newest part of myself that I don't know? Or how do we um, delve into this thing and into this rabbit hole and how are we going to come out of it? We never, to be honest with you, we never think of, of the consumer or the person on the other side. What we do is so, it's not selfish, but it's just like a, such an... In, um, internal thing you know and then mm. when we're done we just share it with the world like okay this is us messing around in the studio for two months packaged you know and it's just a collection of observations and and like you said like really just experimentation on on human nature you know and knowing how our people are without some of you know some of our, our people are with our conservative attitudes how can we mm. shock them how can we make people uncomfortable by speaking certain truths to get reactions. And really it's just like, I mean, if you saw, I like, it was, there was a different era, but if we really should have recorded our process of making cause of money and even um, fucking with you, it was just like, we were literally having conversations and they'd be like, okay, stop, record this, what you just said, mm. you know, or you seem saying, it's like, oh, I just came up with this line. I was thinking about this or, you know, when we're interacting with this person, they said this really weird thing, which made me think, how can you be so stupid? Or how can, how can somebody say something like that? Boom. Then we start structuring, you know, it all transforming into like, a, into musical uh, phrases and so on and so forth. So really, it's such a selfish project, but I, it's such a selfish process. But I think creating art to be like that. You really have to think about your understanding of your surroundings and how you can just convert that to to whatever your medium of art is you know also then oh well this guy made a song it sounds like this so let's let's try and um replicate it or the people this is what the people want and so on and so forth mm -hmm. you know i think that is the marketing side of things i think anything that's honestly done with integrity or with like a like an original thought can be marketed you know what i mean and that's just like that's a different i think that's just a different aspect of, of what we do but it's being able to always come with something original in, in our understanding of you know what's around us and yeah I mean, and then and then there's the you know the the which that's when it gets really technical and you know doing research and digging into things and trying to 
you know, create new sonics and so on and so forth, which is also which also can be quite experimental. But it's really just musings, you know. It's kind of music. You are listening to the Listen to Your Footsteps podcast, a podcast in which I chat to Africans from a cross section of society and sectors, including art, culture, design, business, and creativity, to name a few. I delve into their journeys, the decisions they've taken to get to where they are, how they do what they do, and everything in between. Essentially, we go wherever the conversation takes us. When you talk about, I mean, you, you talk about the, that connection with authenticity, right? And I'm, an, I'm a believer in that. It's, but I'm also a believer in finding your lane and being comfortable with your lane. Um, would you say that with your music as well as your collaboration with One Love, because, because the two of you feel very comfortable in terms of what is your lane, um, and not, not in lane in a negative sense, as in those are the boundaries, but it's like, you know, we each have our own path to take, right? We, we each on our own journey. And, and it's important mm. to kind of go, okay, this is the journey I'm on. Um, mm. you know, as a, as a writer, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to sell, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, what's her name? The woman who wrote Harry Potter. Um, you know, uh, uh, uh Rowling, JK Rowling. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be a, a JK Rowling and that's all right. Like mm. I, mm. I do, I do what I do and I have my thing and mm. you know, I, I'll be able to live and build a decent enough life with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you say you approach your music, whether deliberately or unconsciously from that perspective? You know, I think you kind of um, answered you know, your, your own question in a sense, you, you need to understand, I think it comes with also a, a knowledge and understanding of self, because mm. if you, if you're making art in a certain, in a certain way, but your mind is always on the achievement of somebody else or something else that's, that's similar to yours or whatnot, you will never ever make art in a way that fulfills you or that allows you to reach your highest potential because you, there's the distraction and the kind of the um, lack of knowledge of self will always interfere with your process you know I, and i think for me like you're saying like my lane i i, I haven't defined my lane but i always know that I, I always know what makes me comfortable and what makes me uncomfortable you know and i can appreciate what other people are doing without feeling like I should be doing that, you know? Mm. And so, and because my process really, Koji, my process really is like, every day is a learning opportunity for me when I'm creating. Like I go into like these creative spaces, trying to just push myself for me. It's a very, it's always a very personal uh, um, journey. And so that, that's really what it is. I'm just looking at myself and trying to just, you know, push, push the envelope until I feel like, okay, this is the most I can do now. Let me just share it with the world. And if, you know, if the world does not appreciate it, we move on to the next thing because I'm also not very precious about people's reactions and so on and so forth. So and I think, I think, you know, what you said is apt. I, it's just really understanding this is what you can do, but there's always room for improvement, you know? And in time, I think, if you keep it up, I, I feel like you will create your own dent, you know, 
your own little, no matter how minuscule it is, it's like, this is your space and this is what you do. And nobody does what you do the way you do. And mm. if, we, if you, you know what I mean? It's like, if you have that understanding, like, okay, this is my lane. I'm just doing me. And I can't, I can't be Wizkid. I cannot be Davido. I cannot be Sarkodie. Or, you know, I, it's just, I just don't have whatever it is. Is it, if it's a charisma or whatever it is, or, you know, I just, but I have this little quirky thing that I do that makes me feel like, wow, Mensa, you've done Mensa. That's good enough for me. Yeah. 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 So what, what then prompts you to work on a solo project to come out? Essentially, I was just looking now, 10 years after number one Mango Street. <laughs> it's actually been a decade. For number one Mango Street, you know that. <laughs> I think it's you. But uh, I was actually just looking now, like, because I was, I was, I just, I just checked online very quickly, and I'm like, it's actually ten years. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't feel like ten years for me personally, but no. you know, no. like I still dump Killer Willie Pimping. That's still my track. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, how do you? What prompted you ten years later to now go? Okay, I'm actually going to work on something. Yeah, I, you know, um, it's always been at the back of my mind. I think. Because, you know, the way Killer Willy Pimpin was, uh, Killer Willy Pimpin, Number One Mango Street was made was also after a few years of collecting information. So it was like collecting information, putting it together and present, presenting it to the world. Um, so that's mm. what Number One Mango Street was. Because, you know, I'd, I'd moved back to the UK um, permanently and I was just like interacting with musicians and really finding myself like rediscovering myself as a Ghanaian outside of Ghana, you know, and, mm. and so it was like number one Mangustu was very nostalgic because it was a lot of, it was like references to growing up in Accra and where, where I am now and what all those influences have done to or for me. And then like 10 years later, it was like, you know, we had did the FOK and Boys thing. I did the Red Red thing. We did the films. I was touring with different musicians. I met like world-class musicians um, and also spent a lot of time in the studio. And also like my personal life changed so much. Like I became a parent um, uh, twice over and it was like, okay, so who am I becoming now? How do I... Mm this create this timestamp for you know mensa on you know just as as mensa and so it's constantly I mean anybody will tell you like musicians always have a project going on in their heads always always they could be in the middle of biggest thing with puff daddy or whatever always some small projects going on at the back of their minds you know something that's like brewing like you really have to do this you really have to do this so for me it's like it was just a matter of time before I released another album. And, you know, I was producing the fucking boys album, Afrobeats LOL, whilst I was working on the Bonzi album. I actually put the Bonzi album on hold. I, I mean, I understood that it was a matter of you know, prioritizing things, but it didn't mean that the Bonzi album was less important. It was just, I felt like when the time was right, I would get back to it. And, and here we are now. So there's always, there's always, I mean, if you speak to any, any artist, I mean, any artist, even if they've just released an album today at the back of their mind, there's this, there's always this project that mm. they have to finish. I'm sure it's the same for you. There's always a book going in the back of your mind, like, oh, I should develop this concept a bit more. This is the thing that I need to do to make myself 
like, <laughs> yeah. finally, I've done. Do, do you know what I mean? I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there's always something. It's always like that idea that's being developed at the back of your mind, you know. And mm. it was yeah, it was one of those things that you know I really took my time because it took me over two and a, three and a half years to release this album, you know. And I took breaks, but every time I went back to it, I went full force, like you know, just dedicated time and energy. And then I'll go and do something else and come back to it, you know, until I felt that, until we got everything around it together. But we also the relationship with FOK and Boys and all the all the projects that I do is that we all individual artists coming together to collaborate. So is there's no kind of departure from oh this is this a departure from fucking boys is a departure from red red or a departure from it's just like there's always the individual that needs to express and that's and that in no way conflicts or you know or or um takes away from all the other things you know i think that i think we all have different I mean, nobody's like monolithic in that sense. You know what I mean? So there's always yeah. things, you know what I mean? There's always aspects of myself, phases of myself that I want to share different creatives and so on and so forth. And that's, that's really what Bonzi is. It's like, it was just a, a, a reckoning of who I am now and the things that I want to get off my chest creatively, you know, and you can, I mean, I don't know if you listen to the album, but it's like, you can tell from the production yeah, and the yeah. way I'm writing and so on and so forth. Yeah. It's not. It's not a departure from anything. Just a, con- a continuation of. Yeah, it does feel an evolution. The evolution of a person, as opposed to a, you know, um, because th- there is a difference from, there is a different from difference from number one Mango Street. But like you said, I mean, it's ten years apart. You were, you have grown and evolved as a human being, as a man, as an African, um, and one expects. You know, one expects to see and experience that evolution. You know, it's like it's like writing this subconscious diary and then eventually publishing, <laughs> you know, getting it edited yeah. and publishing it. You know, that's really what these albums are like when I do these solo albums, you know, that's really what it is. But you also that's made it, I mean, you made it a broader project, right? So, I mean, there's... Because I know you had a thing on the Kickstarter. Yes. Um, yes. So it's it's not just it's actually not just the album. I mean, I mean, could you, you? I mean, you couldn't be more right. I mean, it was it's it was such a it was it was my politics. It was my you know all the resistance that I'm facing in terms of my creative process, in terms of um, owning my narrative, in t- in terms of. Um, finding value in terms of breaking the mold as constantly being seen as the African male artist first before an artist, you know, and mm. taking my business out there um, t- to to collaborate with people who the stakeholders and people who are like you know the what they call the the, what the gatekeepers and so on and so forth. I mean this and so you, like the Kickstarter. Um, everything in between, the stories in between, all the, you know, the I Know The Best series, all of that was like really just preparing myself for Bonzi, you know, and it all becomes part of the story, you know, it's like the, the politics, man, like just going back to people that I was dealing with 10 years ago who still 
were in the same space in terms of how they 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 perceived me and as an artist and generally just art from Ghana or art from and just like just having to just navigate my way around it and just be like whoa 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 this is like it's it's been ten years come on guys can we can you meet me halfway somewhere you know and all of that went into you know into the making of the album it was it was like you're saying it was the whole life story you know. It was a lot. And that kickstarted yeah. really, it really solidified my faith in there being an organic audience that just wants to hear some music and just wants to just, you know, not deal with all the madness, but with the streaming platforms and labels and, you know, and, you know, the, the power dynamics that happens in the industry. And it's, mm. it's, it was a lot, man. It was such a learn. I mean, the last two years was such a learning curve for me. You know, because it's like, yeah, you, you know, you, you can, you, I can still sit in the studio and create music all day, but now when it's time to present it, the resistance and the pushbacks and the bullshit and people just making you feel like the value that you have for yourself is actually not what it is. And on the other hand, there's also people who just believe in what you're doing and they see the vision, they see what you're trying to achieve, you know, both in a, in a very um, personal way where I have like a, a really strong support system, but then also just like to my audience that I've garnered like through the years who just came out of the woodworks and were like, yeah, man, sir, why not? Let's make this Kickstarter yeah. happen so you can release the music the way you, you deserve to, you know? So it's just, it's just like, <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot, man. It was a lot. That's such a. I mean, it's such a. It's it's such a difficult. It feels like a difficult world. Um, and I say this. I'm I'm listening to you speak, and I'm just. Um, there's a whole thing around recently. This artist, what's her name? Amare. Um, and I was what I was watching the you know the conversations around it like is she Ghanaian enough she's not Ghanaian etc etc and that's something that I've grappled with I have some that's something that I've grappled with most of my life because I didn't grow up in Ghana mm. right mm. Uh, mm. but I still feel Ghanaian you know I, as as much as I feel German as much as I feel mm. in Mosotu because that's where I grew up I also still feel Ghanaian right, right? um yeah and I was watching, I was watching this, I was, you know, I was watching this kind of conversation and tweets flying around and I'm thinking Mutombo is the person who introduced me to her right. like two, three years ago. Um, so now the world is caught on. So the world is caught on and then the people have just caught on and now the most vocal in terms of defining like who that person is. And what yeah, it, it it must be such a difficult space and a weird space to navigate. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like that's the thing. So, I mean, and I just wonder. Once, I mean, I know I'm a very personally. I obviously like Mutumba's. You know, literally sitting right next to me, and you know, we have conversations. Um, and you really, really, as an artist, you really have to be so centered, you know, and just continue just doing what you're doing, because the hot takes will throw you off. Like, wow, I didn't, I didn't even know this about myself, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, and I've I've been reading some of that stuff and I really, I don't know, like ever since she entered, uh, I think the, the billboard top 100 or whatever, it's like, everybody's Mm. coming out with, and even some people it's like, 
oh, look how Ghanaian artists, look how Amare is blowing up in the world. You should try and do the same. Yeah. You know, and it's like these, you know, it's like, how is that a profound thing to say? But then it's like people are behind it retweeting. Yeah, yeah. You know, always the question of identity comes into play. Oh, is she blowing up because she's not really Ghanaian? Is she blowing up because she's Mm. very Ghanaian? Like you can't win, you know? To be honest with you, I don't understand like what the point of the whole conversation is, you know? All I know for me is crazy. I went to see Amare play last, uh, last week. I think it was two weeks. And it was interesting because where she played is where I, I, could say I grew up a little bit in, you know, in, in East London and that venue where she played used to be like a warehouse before then it was like a crack den. And then, you know, it, it just became a warehouse's performances it became, it became a venue, but then I was standing there watching maybe third generation or second generation, 22, 21 year old Africans, Afro-Caribbeans, Europeans, British, white, white, black, British, whatever it is, people from all walks of life singing to every word coming out of Amare's mouth, you mm. know? And I see Amare as my Ghanaian sister, not in, you know, my Ghanaian sister who, you know, has American connections and so on and so forth, but she was no different from me or the next Ghanaian person. She, she lives in Ghana, you know, and she's been featuring and uh, uh, collaborating with Ghanaian artists for the last four or five years. But what I I was more interested in is how the narrative has changed, where that venue would have never sold out for an African artist, mainstream Mm. African artist, and have young Africans in their their early early 20s, 19 years, mid-20s, out there with the same level of love, you know, that you would have gotten from like a US rapper back in the nineties, yeah. you would, as an African, you wouldn't dream of, you know, playing venues like this, like who, you know, you know, African artists would come and play to African communities or, you know, the small communities from, you know, from Ghana or if they were Senegalese who would have like, you know, but this was just like people from all walks. It was this like, basically it was um, zeitgeist. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. happening right here and being led by a, a Ghanaian female singer. And it was just beautiful for me to see. And I was like, because I'd been there 10 years before and I knew what this place looked like, you know? So for me, that's really the narrative that I'm interested in. Just like, how can we keep pushing, you know, young musicians, young artists from the continent and get them the same respect, you know, get them the same, give them the same uh, uh, credibility as the next artist from, you know, well, you know, American artist or British white artist, whatever, you know what I mean? That's really what, I'm more interested in everything else is, is noise, really. All these hot takes, people don't know what they're talking yeah. about. Just enjoy the music and shut up, you know? <laughs> it's a lot. And so now that, I mean, Bonzi's out, um, what's, not not five-year plan, but kind of what's what's your day-to-day now? You know, what's your, what's your day-to-day now? What's the, what's the, you know, when you wake up tomorrow morning, what's the objective? Oh man! I mean, yeah, I only took know, it to I only took it to tomorrow morning, not next, not five years. It's like I go to bed and I'm thinking I need to wake up early enough to get these girls ready for school, <laughs> you know. And then in my mind, I've to be honest with you, and 
my business partner will hear this and be like, uh-huh, this is what you artists, artists do, you assholes. Basically, as soon as the album is released, I'm just like, what's next? Hmm. When do I start creating music again? You know, like I need to, you know, because I, I've just spent so much time and energy being the label, being the manager, being the uh, uh, motivator, being the accountant, you know, we're, we're doing everything ourselves, you know? And it's like, once the music is out, I just want normalcy of being an artist. But then again, it's like, I understand that, you know, we need to push the album further. We're making really cool content around it. I'm really excited. But the back of my mind, that's, you know, that monkey on my shoulders is, you know, is growing bigger, you know? Mm. But um, if you're asking like, you know, what's the next plan for like Bonzi? I mean, we're planning some, we're planning some tour dates, some really, we're going to do a really nice uh, joint tour with a very interesting artist. We're yet to, to announce that. And then obviously right. we're going to play, you know, some, some, uh, some, some dates in Europe and also come back home to Ghana and throw a grand concert. Like that's really, that's once I've been able to do that, I know that the, the major box has been ticked, has been ticked. But, yeah. You know, I, last night I was up to midnight on my drum machine, just like cooking up ideas. And I, was, this morning I listened to it and it was all trash, like absolute trash. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm making bad music again. Very good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this, you know, I have to go through that one week of like, you know, building that muscle again, you know, mm. I'm really excited about it, you know, but uh, yeah. We have, we have, we have so much, so much, uh, you know, cause you know, we made a film around the making of the album as well. And then um, during the lockdown, uh, we did a, a documentary called Bonzi Alive, which okay. uh, features some live musicians who did a re yeah, who um, reinterpreted the music in a live form with like a, a string session and so on and so forth. So it's like, it's there's so many interesting things to, you know, to touch on right now, now that the album is out, you know, I'm, I'm quite excited. Like I need more hours in the day, you know, so I can feed the monkey on my shoulder and also keep my business partner happy. Yeah, great stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing what's, what's next and what's yeah. next in yeah, the distant too. future. I mean, I, I think that, that fluidity is what makes your work engaging and appealing and has built a community around it that, mm -hmm not a lot of artists have i think because everybody focuses on the you know let's call it the big artist we lose sight of of the importance of community around you know community around art and community around an artist and what they create oh man i mean how crucial is that i mean that really is just what's really kept me going and you know i mean once again you know you're dropping gems i'm really lucky you know Koji, because if you think about this, like I'm, I've been doing this since I was a teenager and like, you know, I'm entering my forties and I still feel so inspired and I feel like what I'm doing is relevant, you know, and is contributing in an immense way to the culture, for the, for the people, for, you know, for Ghanaians in the world and so on and so forth. So it's a very unique uh, position to be in. And I, that is the one thing that I don't take for granted. You know, it's like, I'm really lucky to wake up every morning and feel excited to, to pursue this further, you know, really. And just like you say, it's the community that's really given me that vim, 
Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all yeah. right. You know, it's okay. You can have your grades and, you know, still <laughs> do your thing, you know. It's, it's, it's also, I mean, I just wanted to say, baby, like, you know, the core genre, which is hip-hop music, is not even 50 years old. You know what I mean? Like, we're mm. only now seeing rappers from the 90s reach their middle ages and still figure out what that means. Like, how do you create as a rapper in your, you know, when you're in your 50s or whatnot? Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it hasn't been done before. So we're all, we're all just like, okay, you know, how do you position yourself so you're, you're not corny or you're not trying too hard? Because obviously hip hop music is, is so mainstream that it's also very um, ageist, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's, it's rough, you know, like, who do you look up to? you know, <laughs> and how to reinvent yourself. You know, we're all learning on the job. It's something. No doubt. Thank you, sir. Ah, oh, coach. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad we could make this happen. The Listen to Your Footsteps podcast is produced by Zebra Culture. If you have ideas of what we can do better, people you'd like us to have a conversation with, I would just like to share a thought. You can email me on info at zebraculture.com. To check out past episodes, go to kojabuffer.com slash podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend. If you'd like to get a copy of the book, listen to your footsteps, check out kojabuffer.com slash book. There are details on the various spaces it's available at. I'd also appreciate it if you could leave a review or comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, there's the Zebra Culture by Koja Buffer newsletter where on a weekly basis, I share a curated list of articles, playlists, videos, etc. that have caught my attention. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed having it.